Thanks, Pastor Norb. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, what a week it's been. I'm so grateful for Pastor Norb praying for this uh, grievous situation that has happened on the streets of Minneapolis and just covering that in prayer this morning. We're in a series of messages that we have called uh, Chasing Happiness, and it's a study of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Really, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and the words of the sermon are pretty much opposite to any philosophy that you will hear in Edmonton or around the world, 21st century philosophy. It just This word that Jesus gives us 2,000 years ago simply cuts across the grain of our culture. And after 15, 20 minutes of sermonizing, uh, Jesus wrapped it all up on the mountainside, but his thoughts and his words were so overwhelming that nobody wanted to go home. He, he just taught with such authority. We would all love to preach a sermon like that, wouldn't we? It says at the end of chapter 7 that the people were amazed. They'd never heard a sermon like this before. Well, we're taking it one beatitude at a time. This morning, we're going to run the highlighter over uh, chapter 5, verse 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Or if you're reading in the New International Version, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Same words. Just a little different, uh, same, same meaning, but just different words. Eugene Peterson kind of uh, rephrased it in contemporary terms, which I like. He said, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Wow. Well, let's try to unpack this beatitude this morning. First of all, to say that we all get hungry and thirsty for something, right? We all get hungry and thirsty for something in life. I had a grade 11 teacher who had been in the military, and he told the experience in our social studies class one day that he had been in a situation where he ran out of food and he was extremely hungry. And so he asked the question of the class, what do you think I was most hungry for when I finally got back to base and back to some food and back to water? And he said, what do you think I was craving for the most? And we had no idea, grade 11 students, we said, steak or turkey or chicken? And he said, no, no, he said, the basics. He was hungry for the basics. That's all his stomach could handle would be the basics, like water and some bread. Well, we're all no doubt hungry and thirsty for something, and we're all wanting to be satisfied. And actually, the greatest quest of life <clears throat> is the quest for satisfaction. The Rolling Stones wrote a song way back in the 60s, and it caught fire for them, and it got recognition on both sides of the ocean. And you remember it, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try and I can't get no, I can't get no satisfaction. We all search for something to satisfy the pangs of our human appetite. We look for those things that will quench the thirst of our unfulfilled cravings. Humans are hungry creatures. 
Where do we look for food that will satisfy? I mean, sometimes it's real food. Oh man, I could use a good hamburger about now. But often we look for food in different kinds of food uh, in, in different parts of the world. And uh, it might be in the good things like the food of our job. We, we do want to be completely satisfied in our job. And maybe our job satisfies us so much that we ignore other things that God has given us to keep in balance, like our own family. We're over the top in the quest for satisfaction from climbing the ladder. And sometimes we're simply absent from one another because our job is so all important to us. Well, we look for our food in money or possessions or nonstop activity or sex or power, or fame, or approval. What am I hungry for? In 1955, when McDonald's were, were just getting going, the Golden Arches, they, they offered a soda that was only uh, seven ounces. But today, out of demand, they have increased the size. I think it's now 32 ounces for the big one. And there was a time when they offered what was called a Hugo, for 42 ounces. It was only 420 calories. Uh, but our appetite grows larger and larger and satisfies us less and less. I've been excited to uh, go to Peter's Drive-In to get one of their shakes and, and burgers. One of these days we'll just have to fight those long lines and actually go there. But maybe Peter's has the hamburger that will satisfy our deepest hunger. Can Peters do it? I asked our family uh, who gets the highest rating of burger places, and I got a pretty high rating, I have to tell you, for Peters. Now, some of our family like In-N-Out burgers on stateside, but Peters, I think, might be right up there and maybe has a bit of, a, of an edge. You see what I did to you just right now? I put a little desire in your heart for Peters driving. Mom, we gotta go there. Dad, we gotta get, we gotta go there. But I have to tell you, Peter's will not satisfy our deepest hunger. Our culture jabs at our appetites. When you watch a lot of television, you typically watch a lot of commercials. And every commercial is designed by savvy marketers who know exactly how to lure you in. I was lured in by a Facebook ad a couple of months ago that featured a cleaning brush for your barbecue grill, but it added steam. So there was a little tank on top of the brush where you put water in, and then when you're, when you're cleaning your grill, it comes out as steam. I thought, I need to have that. That's what I'm missing in life. Well, I ordered it, and it didn't come, and it hasn't come, and it's been two months. I think they forgot about me, and actually I've been doing all right without it. It reminds me of Dennis the Menace. Dennis is looking through a catalog saying, this catalog's got a lot of toys I didn't even know I wanted. (laughs) And that's true for us as well. The role of a good advertiser is to get you to think, I should have that. Is the latest uh, iPhone out these days? I'm sure I need the latest. I mean, the screen is so cool. The camera is so much better. I think there will always be a voice in our heads that whispers to us that we need far more than we really do to be satisfied. Oh, you you need an updated kitchen, come on. You need a faster car. 
You need whiter cheese. You need a better school for the kids. You need less wrinkles and on and on. You know what it does to us? It absolutely diverts us to spend the energy of our lives on desires that mean very little in light of eternity. I think we all get caught in this trap where we have hungers we're trying to fill and the more we fill them, the hungrier we get. And and Jesus knows what we experience in that crazy cycle of more and more and more. And so the Sermon on the Mount, he says to us, in effect, I kind of feel bad for you that you're stuck in that trap. Let me show you a better way. There's a better way to live. What if instead of all of these fillings that leave you hungrier, I gave you a hunger that left you filled? Would you be interested in in that? You know, the first message I ever preached in my life came out of Isaiah 55. I was 18 years old. And do you know how it goes? Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take the choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does not do, does not do you any good? But listen to me, and you will eat what is good, and you will enjoy the finest food. We all get hungry and thirsty for something. I mean, isn't it interesting how Jesus faced hunger and thirst? What did he do after his baptism? He went out into the desert and he did battle with what? His hunger and his thirst. It's almost like he needed to come to grips right from the get-go how he would handle the distractions that would come his way to knock him off mission. And he conquered hungering and thirsting for other things so he could keep his heart and his eyes on his father. Well, secondly... We have someone who feeds us if we're willing. We do have someone who will feed us if we're willing. Remember the Lord's Prayer. He taught us how to pray and he taught us how to ask. And it's in the same Sermon on the Mount. The Lord provides for us if we're willing to receive from him. And remember what he taught us? Give us today the food we need. Give us today the food we need. It's part of the Lord's model prayer. And we can call God our Father. We can ask for the will of the Father to be done, and we can ask for the food that we need. Oh, I know it's, but it's different from our first point of getting hungry and thirsty for just anything. Ah, now we're intentional. Now we're zeroed in. We're saying, Father, you know how to best feed us. And when you know the Lord, you can, you can ask for his provision. Uh, we're careful how we do that. We don't swagger into his presence and demand delicacies. Okay, Lord, you, you said I could ask. Well, I, I will ask for a brand new Lamborghini. Oh, yeah, a, a brand new house, tired of this old one. And I'd love to feast my eyes on the scenic views of a trip to the South Pacific. No, that's not how we ask for our daily bread. But neither do we sit outside the door and hope for crumbs. We just simply take our place at the table and we gladly trust him to give us this day our 
daily bread. Really, it's a statement of trust. Uh, years ago, Alan Redpath, a British evangelist and one-time president of Moody Bible uh, School, uh, commented on this verse. Now, Redpath is uh, probably best known for his quote that when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and he crushes him. And that's not a little slogan that we like to repeat too much, but it often seems so true. But Redpath translated Matthew 6.11 by saying, Give us this day bread suited to our need. Oh, wow. Give us this day bread suited to our need. Do you know what you've just said to the Father? I trust you to give me what I need. You know what? Some days the plate runs over, right? God seems to bring out more food and more food. And uh, uh, we just seem to have to loosen our belt a little bit because uh, God is just bringing it on. And then there are some times in life when we just have to eat our broccoli. And maybe that's what some of us are feeling these days. It's broccoli time. And there are some tears and there's sorrow and there's discipline and there's adversity and there's grievous situations that happen in our world like this week. And some days are like that. And some seasons are like that. And, and those are the times when we tighten our belt. And our veggie plate has nothing but veggies. And a, a lot of times we just have a, a good combo. Some veggies which are healthy. Sometimes even some dessert which does nothing for any nutritional value, but just does a lot for our attitude. We call it comfort food. And so the Lord gives us this bread that is suited to our need. And whatever we're getting that day, because he's our father, we just say, thank you, Lord, you know best, and I trust you. The Lord is providing for us, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. He was always there to provide. Okay, we move on because we still haven't gotten to the real core of what Jesus is saying, but here it is. The hunger and the thirst for God, thirdly. Jesus, in a sense, is asking us to consider, what if instead of all of these fillings that only leave you hungry, that I give you a hunger that leaves you filled, but still hungry for more. Say what? Well, what if I gave you a, a thirst, but your thirst was quenched, but you were still thirsty for more? Hmm. Would you be interested in that? Because it's true, some things that we bring into our lives leave us very empty, although we feed on them. Drugs may seem like they fill us for just a short time, but they leave people so empty. With drug addictions, we are desperately hungrier than ever. Cheating, lying, pride, fame, fortune. We think they really will satisfy us, but they leave us emptier than ever. Wouldn't you want to be hungry for something that keeps satisfying you and satisfying you and satisfying you so that you're never empty, always full, always satisfied, yet always wanting more? 
Oh, what a hunger and thirst that would be. And that's the hunger and thirst for God. And that's actually how it works. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, for they will be satisfied. There's a song that we've uh, used to sing, uh, or that we, we have sung through the years. We are hungry, we are hungry, we are hungry for more of you. We're thirsty, oh Jesus. We're thirsty for more of you. I mean, what would be the result of that? A very satisfied life. A very filled and fulfilled life. Always hungry for more, but always satisfied. I mean, isn't that kind of crazy and awesome? God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Now, some translators use the word justice here instead of uh, righteousness. And without making it complex or too theological, righteousness means being right with God. There's an alignment of our heart with him. There was a time when something was not right, and now it's made right. And we experience his wholeness. That's his righteousness. But with the use of the word justice, maybe it's a little easier for me to think in two dimensions that I hadn't been thinking before. One is personal and the second is social or global. We find that deep satisfaction when our hearts are turned to Jesus and we want him and we want his will more than anything else in the world. And when that is true and you hunger and thirst after him, you come to know a deep and abiding presence of God in your life, which is satisfying more than anything else, the presence of God. Think of Andrew and And Peter, think of uh, James and John. When they first met Jesus, and he called to them, and they decided to follow him. And, you know, the moment they decided to follow Jesus, their life started to change. And they decided that they did not need to be filled with the comfort of their stuff, the comfort of making a good living as a fisherman, their work, their status, or anything else in their lives. And, And they just dropped their nets. They left their boats, and they followed after a hunger and thirst for Jesus And you know what happened to these guys? They became world changers. They became difference makers. Well, look at how far God has brought us in in our, our journey with him. I mean, look at what he's done in your life. I mean, look at where he has has brought you and and where he wants to take you. I uh, read the story of a mother who told how her son's kindergarten teacher had him draw a picture of himself that the teacher would hold on to to the end of the year. And the mom said, I knew exactly what she was going to do with that picture. She's going to have him draw another one at the end of the year to show him how much he's progressed in such a short time. Smart teacher. But what if we were to draw a picture of ourselves today in our adventure with Jesus, and then a year from now we drew another picture of where we're at in our adventure with Jesus. And what if in this whole coming year, we just prayed for a deep, deep hunger and a deep, deep thirst for more of Jesus? I mean, what a deep satisfaction for our hearts. What a joy to see where God has led us in this past 12 months. Oh, I'd love to see how you 
redrew your adventure after a year of authentic hungering and thirsting. But second, there's a social or global justice to this verse, which is to say that when Jesus touches your life, he gives you a heart to touch the lives of other people and and other needs that are prevalent in the land, in your neighborhood, in your work, in your world. And one of the great hunger and thirst for God is for justice, that there comes a desire for justice in the land, for social justice in a world that is unrighteous and unjust. As Pastor Nord prayed this morning and reminded us that our hearts were broken yet again this week with the death of George Floyd, whose life was... uh, needlessly taken on the streets of Minneapolis. And it's a graphic video that is just hard to get out of out of your mind to watch as a man's life is snuffed out. And he's crying out for mercy. And no one will will come to his rescue. Please, I can't breathe. I can't get it. I can't get this thing out of my mind. And the cry of the land is now, please, I can't breathe. Martin Luther King Jr. felt it, and he did everything he could to change the landscape of America. And he did a lot by God's grace and strength. And by no means am I looking south. I'm looking at our own country as well. But there is still so much to do. May God give us a deep hunger. May he give us a deep thirst to look at ourselves, to look at our context, to honestly say, God, how can I help in my quest for justice in our land? Our hearts are heavy for good reason. May George Floyd's death not be in vain. When you look at our world, the great need is overwhelming. COVID-19 just notched the world need up another 10 notches, I think. Everywhere around the world, there is uncertainty and great challenge. And one of the needs that we have uh, that we've been familiar with and is the need for clean water in poor countries around the world, in Ethiopia. So Kara and her army of people put on events like Run for H2O, where they highlight a need and thousands of dollars uh, every year, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 come in from Edmonton alone to care for people in another part of the world. And I know that they must be feeling the, the squeeze of this year like many other mission organizations. No, we can't do everything. But we can do something. $1,000, $10,000, $50,000 will serve hundreds, hundreds of people. Someone actually did the math and calculated that a dollar gives clean water to one kid for one year. Wow. We can all do something. We can all place, find a place where we can invest in someone else. Whatever that looks like, and we can serve. And when we do that, we find purpose. We find satisfaction. We are satisfied because we're meeting a kingdom need. Can we do something? Yes, we can make a difference. Uh, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we, can, we don't have to let uh, people starve to death or die of thirst or, or disease. We can make a difference. And when you hunger and thirst for God... That's the automatic response. You begin to care for the people in your world and in the world. Find a cause that is greater than you are. And when you care for the people in your world, 
You have a purpose, and that purpose is so satisfying. Ravi Zacharias just died about two weeks ago. One of the finest Christian servants, still going strong right up until weeks before his death. Why? Well, he was hungry. He was thirsty for God and for justice. He wanted people around the world to know Jesus. And he was so gifted by God to help people understand who God really is. An amazing gift for apologetics. Billy Graham was a great evangelist. Ravi Zacharias was a wonderful apologist. And with his great heart for God, he was filled and he was satisfied. And it was always his desire, as with the Apostle Paul, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Depending on your version now, the end of the Beatitude says, for they will be filled or they will be satisfied. And the background of this word actually strikes a chord with me because it takes me back to growing up on the farm. My father would buy 500-pound steers, feed them out in the feedlot until they were satisfied, until they reached maturity, and then they would he would ship them off to market maybe six months later. We just called it feeding them out. They would just feed out these steers. And that's the word here, satisfied, from eating in order to develop and grow bigger and reach maturity and be ready for service. And that's our journey, hungering and thirsting and being fed to the place where we grow and mature and become more and more influential in the kingdom, that we're satisfied. There's a hunger to know more of God. God blesses those who have a hunger and a thirst to know God. And it manifests itself partly in the desire to know his word and to be with him. So can I give you uh, five or so uh, encouragement in hungering and thirsting? They're very brief. Number one, ask the Lord for his focus and strength. Just ask him every day, Lord, make me hungry for you. Make me thirsty for you. Second, find a routine in your life to be with the Lord. Create some good habits of being with the Lord. Regular, set patterns where you can actually meet him and spend time with him. Thirdly, and I will always encourage you to do this, to journal. It helps you not forget what God's doing in your life. Fourthly, feed on the right things in your life. Our appetite for the wrong stuff takes the edge off of our hunger and thirst for God. Fifthly, ask the Lord for a great hunger for his word. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. And then finally, be obedient to the word. Thomas Watson said, the one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness can feed on the myrrh of the gospel, the tough things of the gospel, as well as the honey of the gospel. God is in the trials. God is in the good times. God mixes it all together and uses it for his purposes. So God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied.
Will you join me in prayer? Lord, you were, you were teaching your disciples when you said these words 2,000 years ago. And you're still teaching us today, still guiding us and still reminding us of what we need that brings us great satisfaction and joy. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need hungry and thirsty hearts for you. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. So, Lord, give us hungry hearts for you. Our hearts are restless until they find the real rest in you. So thank you, our Savior and our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.